Hi, my name is David Siegler and welcome to my podcast. Team PSP, how are you today? Everyone out there in property sourcing profit land, all you sourcing profiteers, property profiters, sourcing property profiters, whatever it is you're doing in property, trying to make uh, some money, this is the podcast for you. Uh, I give you my all. I give you everything to try and make you successful. And um, here's the thing. Here's what I see. I see, I, you know, I've got involved now with probably over a thousand people who have done the training. Uh, pro- when I say the training, I work specifically, for those of you who are not aware, in the deal packaging space, i.e. sourcing fantastic cash flowing or capital growth opportunities for investors uh, and that they they buy for a fee. So we are fee-driven in the property sourcing profit world. And um, people that come and do my training, and it's well over a 1,000, might be more than 2,000. I really need to go and do that some. What upsets me, what gets to me, what makes me quite sad is that not all of them take what we teach and actually go and put it into action. And I can't, I can't accept the waste of that. I mean, the ways that, so they've made the investment of time. You know, they've spent the room in the room with myself and my uh, training colleagues for a couple of days. They've also invested uh, their hard earned cash in that training. Uh, and they've gone away, if it's at a weekend, they've gone away on the Sunday evening full of hope and spirit and enthusiasm. And, you know, we're going to conquer the world. And then nothing happens. You know, and by Thursday, the world has seeped back in again and sucked all the life blood and all that enthusiasm has gone uh, and they're back where they started and that really upsets me I can't get my head around that and um, I've tried working with as many people as I have worked over a thousand whoever however many it is now I'm going to get that sum for you team I am Um, working with people like that for over two and a half years now um, I've tried to find out what it is that stops people going out, implementing the what they've learned and earning money. Because it's quite distressing to me. Because what I think what I do is very easy, right? But when you do something a lot, you become quite good at it, right? And if you do something a lot and it's to do with your work and you come quite good at it, then you, you start earning money, right? And if you do something a lot and you earn money, uh, then that encourages you to do it even more and more so you earn more money. So that was the sort of virtual journey that I, I went down, a virtuous journey that I went down. And that was why I stuck with deal packaging because I love the fee-driven nature of it and I started earning money. What upsets me is people come on my trading and they need to earn money. They need to earn money. I mean, people, you know, friends, uh, and you may be listening, have shared the journey with me, right? This is a turning point in their life and they need to earn some money. And this is, you know, you can't kid me. This is the fastest way on the planet to earn money in property deal packaging. It is, and there's so many different ways you can do it. Uh, and that's for a different podcast but uh, episode, but I'll do that one uh, another time. But what distresses me in is they come, spend a few days with me, go away, and they do nothing. So why? Why is it? So I've tried to distill it down to reasons that I see why friends come do the training and then do nothing. So I've got here five. There's five big, hairy, backsided reasons why 
friends in uh, who have done my training, and I suspect, it, I suspect it's not just my training, it's any property training. If they want to start any property business, there are five reasons why I believe that people don't do it. How many of these apply to you? Are you doing it or are you not doing it? What is it that's holding you back? Uh, I'm going to go through the top five reasons why people do not succeed in property now. And uh, there's some subsections, right? So you're going to get more than five bits of content from me. Uh, but basically, I've split them down into five. Here we go. Number one, top of the shop pop pickers, property sourcing profiteer pickers. Here we go. Number one is overwhelm. Overwhelm. Day one, they leave the training, they go home, they go back to their lives, they, they, you know, they feel good. They get a good night's sleep because they, you know, they're in a good place and the world is full of opportunity and adventure and it's all very exciting uh, and everything's going to be super, super cool. Um, and then they wake up the next morning and that's all gone away. And now they're, they're looking at their notes, they're looking at their remote hard drive, the USB that they take back from the course that's got all the assets on it, all the contracts, all the bits of paper, maybe there's some training videos. I've got training videos going on my USB now. How cool. In fact, that I've done, I'm, right, I'm going to pause on the content for a second, but I'm going to keep talking to you. Just a little tangent here. We've always had a USB that uh, has supported our training that uh, delegates, friends that come and spend a couple of days with us to take away. We've just given that a major overhaul, a major facelift. There's some, just the coolest stuff on there now. I'm really, really proud on it. In fact, if I'm proud of it. In fact, that USB, there's a whole business on that USB. I can't tell you how good it is. So they wake up Monday morning. And they've got the course notes and they've got the USB and they've got all of that stuff and they just crumple. It's all gone away because now you've got to do it. And now you're on your own and now you haven't got the support. And now you, th you, know, you think, what do I do next? And you're like a rabbit in the headlights, right? This is danger point number one, overwhelm on day one because inertia creeps in. I'll just go and put the kettle on. Have another cup of tea. I've only had one cup of tea since I got up this morning. I'm going to have another cup of tea. I might take a shower before I start. While you're in the shower, you look at the shower door and think, oh, really? I've not noticed that before. I'll get oil to clean my shower door. You know where I'm going with this. Procrastination. The procrastination monster creeps in and it undermines you and it cuts you away. Before you know it, half a day's gone. You haven't done anything yet. And then there's obviously you know, personal stuff to do in the afternoon. Day one, gone, finished, you're out of it. Uh, what I'm telling you is you've got to anticipate that on the very beginning of day one, the very first morning, procrastination monster overwhelm is going to try and overtake you and you've got to fight them off because you've got to do something. And here's what I find my wife, God bless her, you know, she's got this, she's been saying to me for th too many years, 35 plus, 37 years now. She would say to me, if I've got something to do and I've been putting it off, because we all get it, right? Uh, she would say to me, you'll feel much better when you've done it. And I want to tell her firmly, right up eye to eye, right? Almost spitting the words into her face because it irritates me. I'm not going to feel better when I've done it. But you know what, team? Triangle of Trust here. If we're in the Triangle of Trust, what's said on the podcast stays on the podcast. Actually, when I've done it, I do feel better. I'm going to have to share her with that, share that with her at some point. So, number one, overwhelm. Do not let the overwhelm, procrastination monster, the fear of taking your very first step, 
because it's that very first step um, that is stopping you build a business that you can earn plenty of money from quite easily. This isn't rocket science team, what I do. You've just got to go and do it. Uh, but if you don't actually make a start, then it's not going to happen. So look out for this in your life. I don't care what property training you've done. Whatever strategy it is, overwhelm, procrastination, day one, it can all go wrong and you never rescue it again. Day two, number two, not day two, number two. I'm not going to edit this. I'm just going to leave all this stuff in and I'm going to do it in one hit because I like it like that. You can see it warts and all, so we're not going to edit this stuff. Number two of the top five things that stop people building the property business they want and being becoming the person they want to be is fear. Fear. So fear is a very strange thing. And there's going to be some subsections to fear. I'm going to talk about various things with relation to fear, but it's still number two, fear. For me, fear is two different things. So I, what I'm not talking about in terms of fear is being afraid in the sense that if a lion was chasing me down the street, right, I would be very fearful. I would be afraid. It's not that sort of fear, though, right? It's not, um, I'm not in imminent danger of demise and being chomped upon by a giant carnivore. No, I'm not. But fear, nonetheless, it saps your energy and your confidence and your drive and all the best intentions. But what are you frightened of? Because I don't know. I'm open to shoot me down in flames if I got this wrong team, right? If anyone knows anyone, I apologize in advance. I do not know any deal packages who have died by trying to start their business. I don't, right? The process of starting your deal packaging business should not kill you or put you in imminent danger of death, right? Other factors need to be taken into account. So fear, what are people frightened of? Um, and, uh, over the last two and a half years, working with well over a thousand people, having mentored and mastermind work one-to-one -one with friends in the industry who have tried or maybe not tried, yeah, we'll come back to that, um, to build their deal packaging business. This is what I've heard they're frightened of, estate agents. They're frightened of estate agents, really? Because estate agents are two different things. There's estate agents, the image that we have of estate agents. You know, these cold-hearted, shark-like um, creatures who don't want to work with you and they don't want to give you the best deals and they're going to give you a hard time when you walk in and, and all that sort of stuff when you go into their office. Uh, but here's what I find when I go and speak estate agents. They're just people, just people like you and me. And they're there because they have to sell houses. You know, so they've got offices, they've got expenses, they've got all the team there, uh, they've got wages, they've got liveried up cars parked around the corner. They've got to sell some houses, right? There is nothing to be afraid of going to see an estate agent. But the number of times I hear from friends new to this that, David, I've got you tell me I've got to go and speak to a estate agent. I don't know what to say. I'll come back to that. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. I don't know how to present myself. I've never done anything this before. It's, you know, I'm very, I'm, I'm afraid. Hang on. Don't be afraid. There are no lions in the high street. There aren't, okay? So we've got to get over it. Here's what I suggest. This is what you should do. Practical tips for dealing with fear of estate agents. Just tell them who you are. Tell them what you are doing. Now, if you are deal packaging, and I'm talking to the property sourcing profiteers here, right? If you're deal packaging, tell them exactly what you're doing, okay? Tell them that you are working with investors. I'll come back to that. You're working with investors who have 
decided that this area that where they have their estate agent office is somewhere they want to invest. Uh, they've identified this area as a really cool place to it for it. This is the sort of property you're looking for. This is the price range you're looking at. This is the sort of potential that you need in the properties. Potential, by potential, I mean, can we multi-let it? What's the demand for rooms? Uh, perhaps we'll go service accommodation. Doesn't matter what the strategy is. I'm talking about dealing with the fear, okay? Here's what you do not do. Number one, you do not say, Hello, Mr. and Mrs. Estate Agent. Uh, I was told to come in today because I did a course on deal packaging over the weekend. No, no, no. You don't say that, okay? What you do is you work out the scripts, and uh, I'm going to start talking about scripts later in this episode. Uh, you work out the scripts that you need to learn before you go in and see the estate agent. Because if you know what you're going to say, if you know what you're supposed to say, if it's somebody writes it down for you, and this is what we do on our training, we write down the scripts that you have to present in any circumstances in the business. So do you remember that powerful hard drive, that powerful USB I told you we're putting together? I've got pages and pages of scripts in there now for every every eventuality working in property in your deal packaging business. So you need the scripts and then you need to practice them and turn them into your own words because they're written in my words. And you do, you know, sometimes it might be right. It might sound all right in your voice presenting my words. It might, but you know, tweak it, play around with it, practice it, practice it in front of a mirror. I used to spend hours practicing in front of a mirror. My presentations, uh, my scripts, some of you know that I'm a speaker now. I practice speaking in front of a mirror. I see all the nasty little ticks and tells that I have. Foot hopping, hopping from side to side, too manic with your hands, all that sort of thing. Um, I have been known to do it inappropriately dressed. I'll say no more, uh, but it adds to the experience. You should try it in the privacy of your own bathroom. So practice the scripts. If you're going to go in and talk to estate agents, practice what you're going to say in advance. Here's number two that I, I think we get into trouble with. Friends get into trouble with when they're very new and they're going in to see estate agents. Um, number two is they don't quite get round to the fact that actually they're looking on behalf of investors. So they kind of, you know, they don't actually say this, but they kind of lead the impression with the estate agent that they might be looking for properties for themselves. This is far more common than you think. The problem is, once you're in that bubble, it's hard to get out the bubble. So then the estate agent, you know, here's the criteria, thinks that you're the customer. Uh, you'll go and do six, eight, ten viewings, but you haven't made an offer yet the estate agent's going to start looking at you a little bit sideways, right? Just tell the estate agent what you're doing and what you want, okay? It's really, really important. Get the scripts from someone who's done it before, i.e. me or someone else who's done it before, um, and practice them and go in. So day one, there is no excuse for anyone on this planet anywhere. All right, there might be the odd excuse, okay? But for most people, if you've been on a training, day one, the first thing you should do, if you do nothing else at all, is go and introduce yourself to a local estate agent. Or I'll tell you what, even better, don't go to a local estate agent. Go out of area if you've got the time. So if you commute to work and you've got a lunch hour from your job that you're trying to get out of, right, go and see an estate agent in the area where your job is, right, because you've decided it's not your goldmine area. You are not going to work in that area. Uh, but it gives you an opportunity to go in 
and practice your scripts to estate agents to walk over the threshold to take your hand put your your heart in your hands and just go in and see an estate agent and start the conversation right so you practice your scripts on the train or during your commute or in the car lunchtime's come you go out and you talk to a real live estate agent but you don't care if it all goes wrong because you're not going to buy from them anywhere and what's the worst thing that could happen the worst thing that can happen is it goes really well and they offer you some viewings uh, but you don't want to work there but go on the viewings right just practice your scripts for viewings go and go through the process that, that i've seen that happen as well but you know friends who have tried this have come back with uh, potential deals from areas they didn't want to work in you know but it's all good just go through the process so fear what else do people get frightened of they get frightened of the numbers working out the numbers david is it a deal is it a deal? And uh, this is, uh, I'm going to share with your team. And some of you are listening to this podcast may well have been through this with me. So you will identify very firmly with what I'm going to share with you now. Um, what If you do my training, for some of you, um, I offer the opportunity of a joint venture with me, i.e. you go and find the deals. We'll use our investor database to sell the deals and we'll split the fee. Pretty cool offer, right? Very powerful, that, because we're doing half the work for you, okay? All you've got to do is find the deals. Now, in order for the deal to be a deal, the numbers have to be right. Don't care what strategy we're talking about, and I'm not going into all that now. It could be single layer, HMO, service accommodation, commercial conversion, whatever, right? I don't care. But the numbers have to be right. And you've got to learn how to do your numbers. And we do training as to what are the right numbers, and even on that powerful USB that you get now, there are deal analyzers and all sorts of written A4 type, you know, PDF documents as to how to analyze a deal, right? How to stack a deal. In the training, we teach how to stack a deal. So here's my question, team. Why can't people stack a deal with all those resources, right? Because 99 times out of 100, I nearly said 9 out of 10, but it's probably more than that. 99 times out of 100, people say, David, I've got a deal, I've got a deal, I'm going to send you a deal. And it is not a deal. A, de a deal is more than a house that's for sale, right? It's something that has to increase people's wealth and cash flow people, right? There's got to be a reason why an investor would buy it. The fear, what, what, when I drill down, when I talk to people and say, why are you sending this to me, right? They're saying, well, do you know what? I can't work out the numbers. It's the fear of the arithmetic. You know, I've got to get it right. Yes, of course you've got to get it right. But here's a secret team. You write this down, right? If you're driving, don't write it down. Write it down later. When you start out and you're trying to get the numbers right, you will not get the numbers right. You won't. The numbers will be wrong. And if you present it to an investor in the early days and the numbers are wrong, so what? What are you afraid of? You know, you're going to crash and burn in front of your investor. If you've done your job properly, they should know you're at the start of your deal sourcing career. They shouldn't mind. Uh, they're going to look at the numbers. If the numbers don't stack, we'll fix it. You know, we'll say, oops. Let's put that one down to experience. Let's move on. Thank heavens you didn't buy that one, Mr. Investor. We'll fix it. Or maybe you go a little bit further and you'll go and see the estate agent because you've realized there's no lions outside their office. So you've gone in and you've practiced your scripts and you've done the viewing, you found a deal, right? And this is a real life example. I'm not going to call them out, but a good friend of mine in the community just this week went through this process, found a deal, right? 
said yes to the estate agent, get it off the market, we're going to proceed with this. Then they went home, checked their numbers, they got their numbers wrong. Ooh, 40 grand plus left in the deal after a refinance, and it was too much money left in the deal. <gasps> what do you do then? Fear of this situation is what stops people trying. Fear of getting the numbers wrong. I'll tell you what you got to do then. <laughs> I've done it myself. We've all been there, team, right? You go back to the estate agent and you say, I've messed up. I've got this wrong. Okay, maybe you can soften the blow by saying something like, um, do you know what? I've come in because I want to tell you face to face. I want to admit to you face to face I've got this wrong. I'm going to, I was going to eat a really large slice of humble pie, you know, to, to, atone for my sins in getting this wrong and I went to the supermarket to buy one but I couldn't find the humble pie so I brought you an apple pie why don't you have a slice of apple pie let's have some coffee and an apple pie let's go on to the next one okay they are not gonna mind if you are honest right and uh, in this particular instance my good friend it was the very first transaction agreed with this particular estate agent is it are they gonna say never darken my doors again no they're not because this stuff happens is it the first time for the estate agent that someone's got the numbers wrong and had to renege on a deal? No, promise you it's not. Happens all the time. What they don't like is if you let them go down the process and people start sending money, spending money on surveyors and legals and all that sort of thing. And then six weeks later, it comes out that you want to chip the price or you've got your sums wrong and then you have to withdraw. So, you know, do it day one. Do it soon as. So what, we did, what are the big two to start with? I've only done two. Gosh, you've been going for ages, but you know, you need this stuff in your life. What are the top five roadblocks to friends making money in property, whatever the strategy? Number one is overwhelm from day one. Number two is fear. Another subsection of fear. Let's talk about this one, the scripts. I'm gonna I'm gonna embellish the area on scripts. So the fear is what David? I've never done this before. What do I say? What do I say to vendors if I sit in their house? What do I say to investors? I might meet someone who's got some money and they want to invest. What do I say? If I find a rent-to-rent -rent opportunity, what do I say? If I find a rent-to-rent -rent for service accommodation uh, opportunity, what do I say to the landlord? What do I say? How do, I've never done it before. Here's the thing. You need the scripts. You need to write them in advance, or if you're working with me, you'll have them in advance, and then you've got to practice them. You do. And um, here's the important thing, right? Everything is in the manner in which we present things. It's not really in what you say. It's how you say it. So take your scripts. They will be factually, verbally accurate and correct, right? And they will help you in the situation. But you've got to practice them. You have. So I'll give you a live example of how why this is so important. I did, a, in my own deal packaging business, I did a investor uh, mini tour. One particular investor wanted to come and see what we were doing. And we went to an HMO and I had the keys for every room. But obviously I wouldn't go into uh, tenants' rooms um, without their permission. Now, in advance, they knew I was coming and they knew I was going to knock on their doors. So they knew that I was going to seek access to their rooms and they'd all given permission. Want to make that clear up front. Okay. So we're in the common parts. So I shared the numbers with the HMO. It was going really, really well. Uh, but all the rooms were occupied. I was uh, There was no tenants in the common parts or kitchen area or anything that I could ask. But they'd all given permission in advance. So I started knocking on the doors of the rooms. 
and uh, one or two were in and one or two weren't in and this particular room and i know it was a nice room so i particularly wanted to open this door i knocked and knocked and knocked nothing right so i got my master key and uh, turned the key in the lock now i wasn't going to open the door without knocking again just in case they were in the loo in the ensuite or something like that right at which point the tenant she called out right don't come in i didn't know uh, she'd been on the night shift and this was lunchtime and i'd woken her up oh <gasps> right so we ran away we left her to it she got dressed came downstairs we were still on site and i bumped into her in the kitchen and I can't remember what I said to her, but I profusely apologised. You know, it's her. It's her domain, that room, right? I had no right to go in there. Obviously, she'd given permission, but if I'd known she was in there asleep, it wouldn't have happened, and I couldn't apologise enough. And as we moved away, when we got outside, the prospective investor said to me, David, I can see that you've got years and years and years experience in customer service because the way you spoke to that young woman and just drew the sting of all the pain that you might have inflicted on her, you know, it was absolutely brilliant. I loved it. Right, pause. Why have I told you the story? Because I did it without even thinking about it because it's second nature to me now. But in any given situation, the script that you use has to be honed and practiced and it's the way that you say it is so important. You know, I've been working with the public since I was 20 years old in one guise or another. So I've picked this stuff up. Now, if you haven't been in that position, you've got to pick it up. But the quicker you pick it up, the more money you're going to make. And the easiest way to pick it up is actually go and talk to members of the public, right? So put yourself out there. See, Don't be frightened. Don't be in fear of talking to the public or to estate agents, to vendors, whoever. Deal with the fear. Get your scripts in place. So we've dealt with overwhelm. We've dealt with fear. What's number three? The number three top roadblock uh, stopping people making money from property today is... Ducks in a row. Getting their ducks in a row. Procrastination. It's just too easy, you know, to ignore the sharp end of your business and go back and focus on all the stuff that doesn't really matter. Well, it does matter, but it's completely irrelevant if you haven't got a sharp end to your business and you're not out there doing deals. So uh, I, these are the sort of questions I've had from uh, answers from people when I've asked the question, what have you been doing in your deal packaging business over the last 30 days? Because I can't see you doing anything, right? Ah, oh, well, I didn't do anything because I'm not sure how we're going to get paid. Okay, so that's a really valid question. You you know, there are set ways of getting paid. And when you get close to doing a deal, you know, have to know how to invoice and get paid. But if you haven't got a deal, right, why are we worrying about getting paid, right? Because you haven't done a deal yet. Then I hear, yeah, I'm, I was ready, I was kind of ready, but I haven't had my business cards through yet. So I didn't want to go to a network meeting to meet investors, okay? That is not a reason not to attend a network meeting. I'm sorry, team. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I, I can hear myself going into a little rant here, right? We've had a 17-year-old come and do our training. His mum paid for the training. We had his mother's permission for him to sit the training. That's how we did it. And he didn't have business cards. Do you know what he did? He cut up the cover of one of his old school exercise books and he cut them up into almost appropriate business size, uh, business card sizes. Maybe they were a little small. And he just wrote his name and his email address and his phone number on, right? That's, that's what he did. And he was out there handing these out at the meeting. And do you know what? People remembered him. Well, they would, wouldn't they? I mean, that's really memorable. And what a great little kid. 
He's not such a little kid anymore. He has grown. So I don't want to hear from you. Can't get started, Dave, because I've got my business cards. I've got my websites up. You know, I want to do a vendor website and I want to do an investor website. Yeah, you need that stuff. You do. You don't need it day one. What you need day one is go and talk to people. Go and talk to estate agents. Go and talk to investors. Go and talk to vendors. Um, oh, but David, yeah, I'm worried about my Facebook page. Should I have a profile? Should I have a page? I'm not ready. No, no, no. Get out there and start talking to people. Practice your scripts. Things will go wrong. Crash and burn. Things went wrong for me. Many times people have gone wrong. Things have gone wrong for me. I've got my numbers wrong. But here's the thing. You, if you, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you move forward again, right? And it's just your time and your effort. You're not at this point playing up tens and tens of thousands of pounds, right, to move your business forward. So it's really, really important that you do this stuff. So we've got number one was overwhelm. Number two was fear. Number three, procrastination, getting your ducks in a row. Number four, the spreadsheet, guys and gals. Okay, couldn't possibly go and see a property, David, if I haven't got a spreadsheet to analyse the deal. So this is what I've done over the years because I've heard this a lot. You know, how can I talk? How can I talk uh, positively and creatively to anyone, a vendor, an estate agent, whatever, even an investor, if I haven't got a spreadsheet to work out exactly whether it's a deal or it isn't a deal? Here's the thing, team. All those people who had the spreadsheets, they couldn't spot a deal from not having a deal anyway. I'm just taking a breath because I can feel myself getting passionate about this. So for those of you who've done the training with me, you have on your USB spreadsheets for every sort of deal right? You've got spreadsheets for single let, buy to lets, HMOs, flips, commercial conversion, service accommodation, rent to rent, whatever. They're all on there. But I'm going to tell you a hard truth here. I'm going to put some bad news for you team, okay? They are a bit of a blunt instrument. And if you get something that's slightly unusual and the numbers are slightly different and the, the way the house is set out is slightly out of the norm, those schedules are a blunt instrument. They might not be able to give you the finer numbers that you need, which is probably where the profit is, which is probably where on the margin that makes a house for sale into a deal, into a deal. So here's the hard truth, people. You have to do it the way I do it. I... I do not use, ah, I'm going to put my hand up. Yeah, my right hand is raised, okay, palm, palm facing you. I do not use uh, spreadsheets to analyze my deals. What do I do? I use a piece of paper, a pencil, and a calculator. Now, that might sound a bit 20th century to you, and uh, of course, I am a creature of the 20th century. However, what it does allow me to do is find a deal where other people will not find a deal. It is not these these it is not a science. What we do is an art. Now there is science in it, but what we do is an art. If we can add value by layering in, in our property education and skills that we picked up over the years, then we should absolutely do that to serve our investors and we will get paid handsomely as a result. But the thing is, you have to be in a position where you can spot where you're going to add value. And you're not going to do that with a deal analyzer. So the next person that ever says to me, David, I can't possibly go and do any viewings because I haven't got the appropriate analyzer. I am going to jump up and down on the spot and you can test it, team, because some of you are going to see me face to face. Come and test it. What you've got to do is learn exactly what it takes to analyze any sort of deal with a calculator and a pen and a bit of paper. 
okay? This is not 20th century. This is cutting-edge stuff because this is what's going to set you apart from all the other deal packages out there who just take that blunderbuss approach and use deal analyzers and schedules uh, to uh, Excel spreadsheets to analyze everything. So do it, do it bespoke. You know, look for the edge, look for the secret, look for the secret that needs to be unlocked. Okay, so from the top, we've done four now. We've done overwhelm, we've done fear, we've done procrastination, we've done the spreadsheet guy and girls, right? And number five, the imponderable, the thing you never know until you know. I'm going to talk about character. I'm going to talk about spirit. I'm going to talk about determination. I'm going to talk about stickability when things go wrong. I'm going to talk about why. Why are you doing it? You know, I'm going to talk about what is going to get you. And I've literally seen friends, and I'm not going to name any names. Over the years, I can think now in my head as I'm speaking, three or four individuals who have actually sat one-to-one -one with me trembling in a chair because they think they can't do it and they don't know what to do. And then, you know, I'm telling them what to do, but they don't want to do it. But then we get other people, sometimes at least likely, you know, you look around the room of people and think, who, who's going to be the multimillionaire property person in this room, right? I never get it right. I always get it wrong, okay? You never know who that person's going to be. But the reason they're there is because they've got the same knowledge, they've got the same spreadsheets and business cards and all that sort of stuff, and they've got the same high streets with the estate agents on, but what they've got is spirit. They've got a different spirit. Why do successful people succeed? What is it in their character, in their makeup, that makes them different from the people that don't succeed? Or is it that they've found whatever it is that drives them forward because they can see that this is going to work and a little bit of success in the early days breeds more success as you go forward? I want those people who are scared and frightened and are out of their comfort zone and think they can't do it, I want them just to take a step with me. And then we'll take another step. And then we'll take another step. And if we take one step a day, by the end of the year, we'll have walked miles. And it's a journey, right? So here's the thing. You are going to mess up. I've messed up loads of times. You're going to upset investors because they're not going to get the sort of returns that you promise them in your deal because something's gone wrong. Here's the truth, team. Every property project, things will go wrong. They will, and someone's going to have to pick up the tab for that. So I used to say when I was sourcing properties in and around Manchester to turn into five-bed on HMOs, we were taking two or three-bed Victorian terrace houses, single lets, and turn them into five-bed all-en-suite HMOs. That is a very big project. We did 32 of them. And uh, the first few, you know, was not my best work because I didn't know what I was, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know. I know a lot more now, right? And um, I got to the point where when I sat down with the investor and we agreed the way forward and we knew that we were going to do it and the project was on and we were moving forward, I said to them, and it was part of my script, in inverted commas, right? Okay, Mr. Investor, Mrs. Investor, we all know what we're going to do. One thing I want to share with you, whatever budget I share with you, we're going to go over budget. And whatever timeline I give you to complete the project, we're going to go over time. We have never completed a project on time. Now, so long as you accept that at this stage, we're going to get on famously. The reaction I got from that script was uh, very interesting. 
So one or two, and I can remember them very well, um, just laughed as if they didn't believe me, right? Then one or two others laughed and said, well, I appreciate your honesty, David. Um, if the other people that we've been working with over the years have been that honest, um, we, you know, we probably would still be working with them, but they weren't that honest. And then there were the third section of investors who looked at me as though I was slightly bonkers because that's not what they were expecting to hear. But that's the truth of it, team. Right, so I'm hedging against the downside. I'm flagging up early. If you are taking apart Victorian terraced houses back to brick, right, you are going to find monsters there. You know, these houses were bought, built not in the 20th century, but back in the 19th, the 1890s. And if we're putting in kitchen extensions, we're building control, want us to put the foundations on firm ground. How far down is firm ground, right? Um, all of this stuff can cause massive delay and overspend. The biggest overspend I had on one of those sort of cons com conversions was 17 grand. Now, that's a difficult conversation to have with your investor. Uh, but you've got to, you, sometimes you have to have these conversations, right? So what can you learn from that? Okay, cover the downside, present yourself pro professionally, have the scripts in place and practice them. Look, I really, really hope this has helped. That's the five, the five top five roadblocks I see in property for people starting in property today. Uh, doesn't matter what strategy you pick. Number one is overwhelm. Number two is fear. Number three is the procrastination monster. Number four, spreadsheet guys, just get out there and view some houses. Number five, you've got to put, put your own character into what you do. You've got to put your passion into it. Don't sit on the side of the swimming pool frightened to dive in. The people who are successful are the ones that dive in and work out how to swim later. Okay, you've got all the information. If you're working with me, you've got the potential of backup and support, right? We'll fix it. We'll sort you out. I'll drag you out the pool by my hands, with my hands if I have to, if you start to drown. Okay, so don't you worry about that. But ask yourself, why do successful people succeed? whether it's in property, whether it's any walk of life. I know people, you know people in your lives who are successful at what they do. And here's the thing. Some people are successful at what they do because they're really good at what they do. But some people are successful at what they do because whatever they did, they would be successful. And you know people like that as well. I hope this has helped. I hope it's served the top five roadblocks you need to bash your way through, explode your way through, and get yourself moving. Get out there. We're going to sell all of them. It's going to be great. Thank you for listening. I am David Siegler. See you on the next episode. <laughs>